Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Well, hello, River of Life. Man, I just want to take just a moment, and I want to reiterate a little bit about what uh, Seth was saying. If you'd have been in here, I don't know, 3 o'clock this afternoon, 4 o'clock this afternoon, it was a carpenter's workshop in here, and guys were cutting things, and, and with that, there was also a bunch of teenagers here. And uh, can I just give a shout out to Fly Youth Group, because they... They worked super hard to help us clean and get everything ready. And then Seth and the worship team, they were here rewiring stuff. And literally by the time they started worship practice, I was like, if everything is hooked up right, this is going to be a miraculous day. And, uh, and so how good is God that, that he is so faithful? Amen? So I know that there are many that are out. In a few moments, we're going to pray. And we'll remember to pray for those who are out sick. I know that that's going around our community, and we just need to uh, lift those up in prayer who are watching online because they can't be here uh, this evening with us. But we are, we are blessed and excited to see what God is doing. In the next couple of weeks, you're going to continue to see the stage transform, and uh, we're hoping that we will be done. And I, I should have looked at what the dates are. What is it the weekend of the 6th? Is that, is that a weekend? Am I looking at that right? Sixth is a Monday. Okay, so the fifth. So that weekend, we'll, we're hoping that we will be in a position where most everything will be done up here. And with that being said, I gave you a challenge to raise $50,000. Um, and I just want to tell you, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but you raised $54,000. So if you're visiting, you may go, why is he so sorry to tell us that we did better than what they asked for? Because that means on that weekend, on the weekend of the 5th, uh, provided that the stage is ready, I want to do it when the stage is all, all ready to go, and if, it, if we have to postpone it, we will, but I will do it. Uh, I will be wearing a sparkly sport coat and my sparkly shoes and a sparkly tie, and you guys will be sorry that you did this. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so we are, we're excited about that. It's really cool to see how God has been faithful and you have been faithful and just the, the, the amount of outpouring um, from this congregation has really blessed us and we're really excited. I, again, I know Jason got up here and talked about the food bank and, and we also had Hope Beacon go out today and they served and Hands of Hope was out serving today and just so many great things. We could get up here and spend 10 minutes every weekend bragging about different things that God is doing. And I got to talk to uh, Zeb from Star Valley this, uh, this morning and he said that last week they had only eight empty chairs in church. Um, so he said he's already, he's already having conversations about what that's going to look like. And uh, because they will be watching this, I don't want to steal his thunder with that. But it's just amazing to see how God is, is doing such incredible things. And so I just, I just want to thank you all for your faithfulness. Thank you to all who helped out and continue to help out with the stage. It's been a real blessing for me as your pastor to be able to watch that. I kept coming in. And I, I, those of you know, I'm not handy. So they didn't even ask me. Like they didn't go, hey, would you show up and help? So I come in and I'm like, oh, I'm going to come early so that I can check on them and just thank the guys. And I keep coming in and I actually distract them. And so today, Jason Johnson was like, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Um, 
He did it very respectfully, but he did it actually. Uh, because he goes, not only are you not actually using a tool, but you're taking away guys who were using tools just a moment ago. So they sent me back to my office. Um, but super blessed. Well, we're in a series that we've called Built to Last. And if you haven't been with us over the last few weekends, I just want to take a few moments and we're going to look at what our key verse is. It's in Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 46, and it says this Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came and the torrent struck the house, uh, struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my word and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So we've been talking for the last few weeks about being built to last. And the whole idea behind this is we live in times that everything is, is pretty shaky, to be honest with you. It, you can't turn on the news. You can't get onto social media without seeing something that just seems like it is so crazy the times that we live in. And so we've walked through a few different things. And last weekend, we spent some time talking about the importance of church and making that a priority and relationships within the church and prayer and worship. And a couple weeks back, we did a, a, a whole sermon based on building your foundation on the word and Jesus as the cornerstone. Now, it's interesting to me because even over this last week, I have, I have watched, and last night I was scrolling through and I saw this story come up, and the story was uh, a mom, and I, I didn't get where she was from, but she was talking about their school district, and their school district has now uh, implemented where in the, pub, in the kids' restrooms in the schools, they're putting kitty litter. And the reason is for kids that identify as cats, We are living in crazy times. And with that, I told you a few weeks ago, we, we spent some time looking at God's word and the importance of his word and how, again, Jesus is the cornerstone, but his word is the foundation. And I had multiple people message me and my wife this week and, and tell us that there's a pastor in town that was preaching and saying that the word is, is flawed so people are leaving the church because they're being told that the word is the foundation. And can I tell you, I don't know which of those is scarier to me. I don't know which of those is scarier to me. Is it scary that there are people that think that their kids can identify as a cat? Yeah, that's scary. But it's so crazy. But when you have men or women of God who are standing in front of a congregation and telling their, their people that the Bible is flawed, that's more scary to me. So I want to spend a few moments tonight, and I want us to look at God's word because it's so important, and you can't, you can't remove parts of this book. You hear me say that all the time, and some of you are like, yeah, we get it, Jason. We understand it, but what I need you to understand is it is becoming way more popular to preach that, and, and we've got to be grounded, and we've got to understand that if our foundation, if we're going to say that this thing is flawed, then our foundation is flawed, and this building will not last. Acts chapter 20, verse 29 says this, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. 
Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I've never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Let's pray. God, in the next few moments, Father, we just are gonna spend some time looking at your word and being reminded of the importance of it and being reminded of who you're calling your church to be. And God, I know that there are those who couldn't be here this weekend because they are not feeling well, whether it's COVID or whether it's something else. God, I'm grateful because we just sang a song about a wonder-working God who's able to heal. And so, Father, I lift up those who are, who are, are being infected right now with whatever the sickness is that's kept them from being able to, to walk about. And I lift up Ashley's mom to you right now. She needs a special touch from you this evening. I pray, God, that you would touch her. And God, for, for others within our body that just need you to reach down and to do what you said you can do, and that is to heal them. And so, Father, we just pray that right now. And God, I lift up those in Star Valley who are joining us, and we are so grateful, God, for what you're doing there. And we know that you are... You are a wonder-working God, and God, I pray that, that revival will hit that valley, and that, Lord, those who have, who have been turned off to church will, will come back to a place where they understand who you are and how much you love them. And God, we lift up our brothers and sisters in Malawi, and we just pray, God, that this would be an amazing week for them, and that they would see you. And God, I thank you for the men and women on the north slope of Alaska, and God, just hearing from them this week about how hard it's been up there, I just pray for your grace and your mercy, and that, God, you would reinvigorate your church and that, God, you'd help them to be who you've called them to be. God, for all of us in this room, I pray, Father, that we will hear what we need to hear, that, God, all, all distractions will be set aside. God, we pray over our community right now, Lord, as, as there is so much deception. God, we, we pray truth. God, we pray, we pray that you would reveal yourself in new ways and that, God, the, that, that where the lies have been, have been uh, so easily told and accepted, that, God, truth would come in and that, God, those lies would be broken down and that, Father, those who have been deceived, God, that they would see the light and they would understand who you are and how great you are. And we give you all the praise today in Jesus' name, amen. So Paul, throughout Scripture, basically says that that he has received something from Christ and he's passing it on. And, he, and in this verse, he says that he's committing the church to God. And, he, and in that, there's something so important about that word commitment. And that's what I want to spend a few moments talking about today because last week we talked about all these different building blocks. And I think one of the most important ones that we can have is this idea of commitment, of being committed. The church was never meant to be a building, not an address, but people committed to changing the world. We, I, I love that God has provided for us. I've been able to, even this last week, sit down with, with a few different pastors and to hear them talk about, about different things that are going on in their lives and in this community. And some of them will talk to me about needing to get a building and to have a physical address and all of those things. And, and that's all great. And we've been blessed that God's given us what he has. But the reality is, is this is not the church. You are the church. And so for us, if we're going to be the church, what it's going to take is for us to be committed to the call of God inside of our lives. Amen. 
We've got to stay committed. And the problem with it is, is sometimes it's easy to say, hey, I'm committed and we can come on Saturday night and the, the worship team can, can, can lead us in worship or the word can really hit home with us on that particular evening or Sunday morning. And, and all of a sudden we just feel like, oh yeah, I'm ready, let's go. And then we get into our everyday life and all of a sudden the life hits us. And when it does, then all of a sudden our commitment begins to fade. Our feeling of the importance of this thing that we're called to can begin to wean back. And, and we need to understand that we are called to be committed not only at the mountaintop experiences, but in the valleys as well. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I, I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. So even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of hard times, we need to understand that as the church, if we'll stay committed, then all of a sudden when, when those waves come and the winds blow, that we can say no matter what happens, I'm committed to this faith journey that I'm on. It's so important. Notice that Paul says, God will keep the things we commit to him. So in other words, we need to walk it out because God is the one that holds everything and is in control. When we put it on ourselves, then that's when the winds come and our foundation isn't secure because we built it on what we feel like or what, what we can do on our own. And, and God is saying, no, no, you've got you've to put your commitment into me. You've got to put your hope and your trust in me and into my word. And when you do that, all of a sudden when those winds come, you're able to withstand whatever the enemy may throw at you. And for some of you, even this week has been tough and you've been walking through something that feels overwhelming to you. And, and maybe it was even a struggle to get in the car and come to church tonight because everything has just been so hard this week. And I just want to, first of all, commend you because you came. You tuned in, you're, you're paying attention, and you're saying, God, I want you to speak to me. So that's half the battle is to just say, you know what, no matter what comes my way, and we talked a little bit about that last weekend, about those seasons and times in your life where the enemy is pushing so hard and saying, you know what, you don't need to be that committed. You, maybe you need to take a season off, or you need to step back for a little while. When the enemy is doing that, it's because there is victory just around the corner for you. And the enemy will do everything that he can to stop you from experiencing that. I was looking at some statistics uh, not too long ago, and it said that of committed Christians, it, it went through the different generations, and it said that the builder generation, which was if you were born between 1927 and 1945, 60% of them considered themselves committed Christians. The boomer generation from 46 to 64, 35%. The X generation, 16%. The Y generation, 4%. Look at the level of commitment as it drops. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to stand back up and say we are committed Amen. no matter what comes our way. Because it takes commitment to do anything that's worth doing. You know, it's, it's amazing because there are a lot of times people will come up and they'll say, hey, you know what, I'd love to be on the worship team. And so they'll go and talk to Pastor Seth. But the thing you don't see about the people that are up here singing and playing is the stuff that they do during the week. The fact that some of the, some of the team will come out, and, and when we're not working on the stage, they'll come out early in the afternoon and they'll practice. And because they're committed to it. 
Because they said, listen, I, this is something that, that I feel like God, it's a gift that God's given me. And so they sit at home and they listen to the, the songs over and over again. And they'll sing while they're driving and they'll practice and they'll practice. Why? Because they're committed to it because they want to see it succeed. But for many of us, what we do with church and with our faith journey is we'll just come when it's convenient. And then we wonder why nothing seems to be working. God is asking for your commitment. He's calling for you to be committed. And I'm telling you right now, if you're not committed now while it's easy, how committed will you be when it's going to get hard? Because hard is coming. Some of you, commitment is hard for you, and so you're, you struggle. And maybe, you just, maybe just a few weeks ago, you made a resolution how many of you made a resolution this, this year? You said, I'm going to... See, some of you, you did, but you're not raising your hands because you know where I'm going with this. Because <laughs> there's way more of you that made resolutions this year than just raise your hand, I will guarantee you. And what I'm telling you right now is those of you who did and didn't raise your hand, it's because you know that the next question is, how many of you have already not done what your resolution was? Right? Because it's super easy to make the resolution. It's very hard to follow through with the resolution. Right? It takes commitment. It takes wherewithal to say, I'm going to do this no matter what. But commitment is the fuel that takes us to our goals. So if we, if we sit in this room and maybe you've been here on one of the weekends where we've talked about God dreams and, or you've, you've been part of the Kazon class or you've, you've been praying and God's laid something on your heart and you go, man, that sounds amazing, God. I would love to do that. But, but where you get stuck is the commitment part. Because I'll tell you right now, anything that God has for you, if he lays it on your heart, it's going to be bigger than you. And so what that means is that when that big thing comes, he's not going to just drop it in your lap. He's going to say, you know what, I'm going to need you to start walking this thing out and show that you're committed to it. And it's through that commitment. What was that? Oh, yeah, we got a class for that as well. Talk to Pastor Angie afterwards. Um, but it takes commitment to see it through. If we're gonna, if we're gonna see God's goals come to fruition in our lives, it, it takes commitment. You wanna see your dreams fulfilled? Commit to them. It will take bulldog faith. You gotta buckle down and decide to see things through. Have you ever met somebody who is always full of dreams, but you never see any of them happen? Ever have somebody in your life that you'll, you'll sit and they'll sit down and they, they always have the next thing and maybe they're, they're changing jobs continually because this next job is going to be the big one. This is my big break. This is the thing that's gonna, that's gonna get me to where I need to be. And then three months down the road, they're like, yeah, those people didn't really know what they were doing. So I'm gonna move on to this next thing. And always they've got the next thing and they're always waiting for their ship to come in. But commitment is the thing that gets us to a place where we start to see those things come to fruition. For many of us, if we're honest right now, our faith journey is something that's on the side. And I'm telling you that, that as, the, as the pushback comes and as, as this world continues to change and continues to devolve, we as the church need to be more committed than ever to being who God's calling us to be. What separates doers from dreamers is commitment. Yeah. It's the thing that separates. Because any of us, guess what? Any of us can have dreams. 
Like if you wanna, if you wanna sit in the room, you can have a dream of, of you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live in a big house and I'm gonna drive the nicest car or I'm gonna, I'm gonna have the biggest and the best ministry in the city. I'm gonna have a nonprofit that's gonna, and all that, that's fine. But if you don't actually commit and do it, then you're a daydreamer, not a God dreamer. There's a difference. Because any of us can daydream, but it takes commitment to become a God dreamer, right? God is gonna lay something on your heart and you've gotta walk it out. And that's when you'll see God begin to move inside of your life. I heard a story one time about Michelangelo and when he was painting the Sistine Chapel, he sat on his back for four years, 18 hours a day to paint that ceiling. And people would ask him, why? Why are you putting so much? I've had the, honor, uh, the privilege of being there and seeing it in person. And the amount of detail is incredible. And they, and, and they said, why so much? It's the ceiling. And you know what his answer was? He said, because God sees it. And so he laid on his back for four years, 18 hours a day, just pouring out and pouring out. When was the last time you did something for God and you didn't care if anybody else saw it? Can I tell you that he was actually hired to sculpt the thing that he was passionate about. That's what he wanted to do. But then he was asked to paint. And he did it anyhow because he knew that he was doing it for the Lord. Some of you are in the painting process right now. God, you, you feel like God's called you to sculpt and he's got something great that he wants to do. But for many of you, he's gonna see if you're faithful laying on your back and doing something you don't like before he's gonna trust you with the thing that you do like. That's not in my notes, but somebody needed that. Get committed to God and his goals and watch how your world changes. Jesus saw the power of commitment in person. Look at this for just a moment. This blew me away as I thought about it. There were 5,000 men, and that doesn't include the women and children, that came and they, they came to hear Jesus preach, and then Jesus fed them. And they were all excited. Everybody was super excited about Jesus and, and, and the things that he could do and the things that he offered them. But then as we look at this, we see that, that by the time it came to the place where he was going to ascend, there was 500 people that came to that. Then we get to the upper room and there's 120 and there was, there was only eight that were in the garden and only three of them that committed to him. So as it gets harder, the numbers get less. Can I tell you, if we want to, as a church, we can have, we can pack this place every week. All we got to do is say that we're offering a bunch of free food and free prizes and free gifts, and we'll get people to show up. But when it comes to working on the stage, we'll get three. Actually, we had five, I think. Not including me, um, for obvious reasons. Um, So... But all, but we got to understand that some of this is so hard, but it's in the hard that we see God move and that he does what he wants to do and he'll show up in your story and do things that are way more incredible than you could ever do on your own. In John chapter two, verse 24, it says this, but Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. So as we look at this, what we need to understand is that Jesus walked this out and he watched People, when, they, when he's doing miracles, man, he, there were crowds, there were multitudes. But when all of a sudden things started to get hard, he realized who was real in his life. For many of us, we need to realize that, that there are gonna be hard seasons that we're gonna walk, to, but, walk through, but in the midst of that, what is real to us? What's important to us? 
For some, some if, if we're being honest right now, church is something that, that is important when there's nothing else more important. Getting into the word is important as long as I don't have anything else to do. Spending time worshiping, that, that's great as long as there's nothing else I want to listen to right now. As long as there's nothing else I want to do in this moment. And so, can I, I just want to be honest with you for a moment. As we're talking about commitment, that isn't actually commitment. That's called convenience. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll serve you, God, as long as it's convenient. For some, you go, well, it's not, you know, it's hard because I got all this other stuff going on. And you, Jason, you just don't really understand. But I watch people that come and they serve and they give. And they have lots of other things that they could be doing. But they go, you know what? This is important because I'm committed. I'm committed to being who God's asked me to be. When you aren't sure how committed you can be to your faith, you need to read the story of Joshua because Joshua got himself in some trouble and had some relationships he shouldn't have had and he needed help. But because God saw Joshua's heart and he saw that Joshua was fully committed, God committed to him. Can I tell you, I love Joshua because it's such an amazing story where, where God stops the sun from moving so that Joshua can win a battle. Like, it's a good thing that Joshua's committed to God because that's a pretty big commitment that God made to Joshua, right? The thing about God is he is already committed to you. It's not, it's not he loves you and he sees you and he, he, he wants you. He, he proved it. He sent his son to die on a cross for you. And so for us, when we're deciding how committed we're going to be, I can only imagine how much that breaks God's heart. Commitment separates the good from the great. If we're really going to be the people that make Jesus famous, we gotta commit. Because again, it goes back to that whole idea of people in your life and they look at you, and if you're partially committed to something, why would they even be interested in that? We gotta be fully committed. We gotta, we gotta show people that this is so important to me that it changes me. It makes me a different person than I would be without it. If you're the same person with Jesus as you were without Jesus, then you don't actually have Jesus. Thomas Edison was a guy who invented a lot of things and he had a shop that he had all of his inventions in and the story goes that one day his shop burnt down and he lost everything. When he came upon the scene with all of his life work being burned, he told someone to go and get his wife. He said, go get my wife because I'm sure she's never seen a fire this big before. And so in the flames, with all of his dreams, all in, in fire, his wife, the story goes that his wife approached as he was standing there and he was using the light from the flames to begin to write out some new ideas. He watched as all the things that had been important to him go up in flames and in the moment of that, he, he said, it doesn't matter because I'm gonna keep moving forward no matter what. 
And so you may be in the room today and you may feel like, man, my dreams are in flames right now. Something that you felt passionate about now isn't working out. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe your marriage is in, in a hard space right now. And it's very easy to get to a place where you feel so, so hurt and so broken. But in the midst of that, if you'll trust God with who you are and you'll commit to him inside of that, when the flames are burning, instead of being, woe is me and let, letting it defeat you, you can be begin to sketch new things because God is always wanting to do new things in your life. Because your past doesn't have to dictate your future. I, listen, I know that some of you and most of you that, that have, care about the game that's going on right at this moment, most of you aren't here because you're watching it and I understand that. But for those of you who don't know, the Green Bay Packers are playing a game right now. How much does your pastor love you? But the great Vince Lombardi, who was the coach of the Green Bay Packers and is actually the namesake for the Super Bowl trophy, one day had a coach tell him that he didn't possess even minimal football knowledge and that he lacked motivation. This is the guy who ended up coaching a team to five total NFL championships over a seven-year period. And he had somebody that he trusted speak into his life and say something so horrific that would have made most people quit. But the reality is, he said, I'm not going to let the, the opinions of someone else decide my future for me. So don't let people's opinions of you shape you. Let God shape you. My challenge over these few weeks is for us to get to like some of the basic ideas and understandings because for many of us, we need them right now. We need to understand that there is a wind that's coming. There is a storm that is brewing and the church has to stand. You, the church, has to stand. It doesn't matter if this building stands. It just matters that you stand. It just matters that when, when things are crazy at work and, and everybody's piling on and doing something that's not right, that you will stand up and you'll say, no, I've made a commitment to my God. I've made a commitment to my faith. I've made a commitment to do what is right, even when no one else is doing it. That I will stand and I won't bow and I won't give in and I won't give up and I won't listen to other people's opinions and I won't let that become God to me because for many of you in the room I believe that you've come to a place where you're so worried about what other people think of you that you've now not cared about what God thinks of you if we're going to stand we've got to say you know what God you are my audience of one you're the only one that matters to me and so I want to put my faith and my hope and my trust in you. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, the message translation says it like this. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything that you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything you own. Give him your, the first and the best. Your barns will burst. Your wine vats will brim over. But don't, dear friends, resent God's discipline. Don't sulk under his loving correction. 
It's the child he loves that God corrects. Father delights. Delight is behind all of this. Can I just tell you that being committed only when convenient is actually not being committed at all. If you're committed to your faith when it's convenient, you're actually not committed. Because being committed means that when it's hard, I'm still committed. When it's, when it's tough, I'm going to follow it through. When everything seems to be crashing in on me, I'm still going to do it because I'm committed. And it's in those moments where we push through that we're able to understand this amazing love that God has for us. Some of the moments, I shared this a little bit last week, but some of the moments in my life where I felt the least amount like I wanted to be at church or I wanted to worship. In those moments when I committed and said, I'm still doing it no matter what, it's in those moments that I felt God probably the most of any times in my life. Because he's so good and he's so faithful and he looks at you and he goes, child, I know that was hard for you to come tonight. Child, I know that it was hard for you to still pray tonight. My child, I see that you're hurting and I understand that you're struggling right now. And the fact that you would still come to me and worship me, even though you didn't feel like it in this moment. He says, I'm gonna honor that. Because he's a good dad. The thing is, this commitment is so important. As we look throughout scripture, we see that we are compared to the bride of Christ. Can you imagine if you got married and you stood at the altar and you made vows to each other that you would, that you would, you would stay with each other, that you wouldn't, that you would, you'd honor each other, that you wouldn't, you wouldn't cheat on each other. But then you just said, but that commitment's only good as long as it's convenient. When it's inconvenient, then I'm going to do my own thing. But when it's, when it's convenient, I'll, I'll stick to that commitment. None of us would be okay with that arrangement. But yet, how many of us do that with God? How many of us just allow ourselves to be committed when it's convenient and to do our own thing when it's not? Some of you are hearing this and you know that there's things in your life that you've compromised. There's areas of your life where you've said, you know what, I'm gonna be committed except for this. And I'm telling you, if there's an except, then you're not committed. It's time to release those. It's time to put your whole trust and your whole hope in him. Because when you do, your world will change and you will start to change the world, which is who he's called you to be. I'm asking everybody to close your eyes with me for the next few moments. This evening, as we've talked just for a few moments about commitment, I wonder how many in the house right now would just say, you know, Jason, I have, I believe in Jesus. I even would consider myself a follower of Jesus. The thing about the disciples that chose to follow Jesus, it meant that he would say, hey, go and, you know, get rid of your stuff and follow me. Like, we're not, we're not doing this where you can come. I'd like to go with you when you go there, but then I'm going to go back home and then I'll meet up with you later on. You know, they followed him. For his whole ministry, they just followed him. Wherever Jesus went, that's where they went. But for many of us, I don't know that we could do that today because many of us would go, hey, I'd like it if you're going to go here and I'll go with you there. But, but when you go to this other place, I don't think I'm going to join you. That's not actually following him then. 
That means you're setting your course. So I wonder how many tonight, if you were honest, would just say, you know, Jason, I'm not actually following Jesus. I believe in him, but I'm not that committed to just doing whatever he asks me to do. I want to, I kind of want to be in control. Tonight, I'd like to surrender that to him. I'd like to trust him. I'd like to be actually a follower of Jesus Christ. And for some of you, you've got some things in your life that you need to let go of. Some things that you know aren't honoring to God, but you've been able to justify them so far in your life. But tonight is your night to go, you know what? I know that that is not good and I know that it's not helpful. And so I'm gonna let it go. So if that's you tonight, would you just do me a favor? No one's looking around. I just wanna pray with you actually before we close this time out together. Would you, if that's you, would you just lift up your hand and, and catch my eye? Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, man, okay, thanks. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, thank you. Is there anybody else tonight that would just say, Jason, would you just remember me in this closing prayer? Because I want to I wanna be committed. Yeah, I see you. One more moment. Is there anybody else? Tonight, I just want to take a moment. I want to pray over you. And I, I want to challenge you. If you raise your hand, just a moment, the worship team is going to continue to lead us in some more worship. But whether you raised your hand or you didn't, I'm going to encourage you that in these last few moments together, would you do me a favor and just get up out of your seat and come and just spend a few moments at the altar? And you may go, well, Jason, I can pray right where I am. But there's something about saying, hey, I want to follow you. That means I don't care what anybody else thinks about what I'm doing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I'm going to make a motion to show that I'm committed to what I just said I wanted. God, right now, I just thank you. Father, first of all, that you love us so much that you committed to us. You committed to us in a way that is bigger, greater, more amazing than anything we could ever do. So Father, I just pray for those in this room who just raised their hand and said, yeah, I, I, I wanna make a commitment. I wanna follow him. I wanna trust him with my life. And I, maybe they're saying, I got some things in my life that I know are not what he wants. So I need to release them. I need to let them go. Wherever they find themselves tonight, God, I just pray a blessing over them right now that, God, they would recommit themselves to you, that they would trust you, that, God, they would let go of the things that the enemy has convinced them that they won't be able to be happy without them. That, God, that they would lean on you and trust in you and know that you are good and that your plans and dreams for them are amazing. So, God, right now we come against the lies of the enemy. Father, we just ask, God, that truth would be seen in their hearts. And that, God, as they make this commitment to you, Father, I pray that you would show up in their life, help them to experience you in new ways. Father, we give you all the praise tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. The prayer teams are gonna be down here in just a moment. If you made that commitment tonight, would you just spend a few moments at the altar? I'm gonna ask everybody to stand as we worship together. 
Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.